WLTV, a.k.a. WLTV, the number one wine show on the internet. And this is BBQ Center. Start the game! Let's go! We'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! In a world permeated with barbecue websites under the control of tyrannical administrators, there was one man. A one-man army. He broke all the rules. He allowed his members to speak out give their opinions, and make the website what it is today. Get ready for Greg Rempe and the Barbecue Central Show. Live from Cleveland, Ohio. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, welcome to the Barbecue Central Show. Let's get it as we race into the holiday season. It's the Barbecue Central Show, the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling, originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening. Welcome in. You want to jump in? Happy to have you. Phone call it. 216-220-0966. You can also email the show if you would prefer. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to greg at bbqcentralshow.com. Or on the Twitter and Instagrams at BBQ Central Show. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, which is thebbqcentralshow.com. If you're looking for a way to get a heads up before the show actually hits the airwaves from 9 to 11, you can go to the website and sign up for the newsletter. Two things happen. You give me an email address. Maybe you don't give me... Do you have to put your name? I think I just require an email address because that's where the newsletter is going to be going. However, not only are you going to get that newsletter, which comes out just about 12 p.m. Eastern time, after you sign up the first time, you should get a follow-up email from me automatically generated that gives my homemade barbecue sauce recipe. So if you have signed up recently, and you've noticed that you haven't gotten that barbecue sauce recipe, A, check your spam first. If you still didn't get it, shoot me an email, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com, and I'll make sure that you get that barbecue sauce recipe. Just a special gift from me to you, just for saying thanks and joining that newsletter. And it only comes out like once a week, as I had said, so I'm not bombarding you with all sorts of nonsense and tomfoolery. If I come across a great deal or I partner with somebody that's offering my listening audience an exceptional bargain, certainly I'll race that off to you and it's up to you to take advantage or not. But other than that, it's pretty standard fare. Tuesday around noon, there you go. Here's what's happening on the show coming up in about 11 minutes from now. He's been on this show a couple months ago, Building Smokers. 
that from an aesthetics standpoint probably aren't the sexiest ones you've ever seen. A lot of them come with race car paint and 58 inches of insulation and very slick as far as the aesthetic look. So while the aesthetic might not be super sexy, the sexy builds in with the way they cook, how popular they're becoming, and how quickly they're actually able to turn these around given the popularity. We'll be joined once again by J.D. Jimmy Daniel from Primitive Pit. Looking forward to talking with him. He's just launched, or I guess specifically relaunched, a YouTube series called Cutorials. We'll get into that. New episode just dropped today. We'll also talk a little bit more in-depth about the cookers. We didn't. We planned to get into that the last time he was on. We didn't really get too far into it this time. But we'll talk with J.D. in about 10 minutes from now. And then at 35 past the hour, one of my favorite growing topics... In this segment is pizza, specifically high heat pizza, whether that come through a Forno Bravo oven that you've personally imported from Italy, or maybe you have an attachment like I have or an accessory that goes in a cooker that you have to get you those high heat temperatures. And instead of being lazy like me, and I say lazy in the fact that I have a great Italian grocer a half a mile from my house, and I'll go buy the pre-made pizza dough balls for 89 cents each. My guest at 935 is widely considered to be one of, if not the pizza expert in the industry. He's cooked on a number of implements. He's got a number of recipes, tips, and tricks, and techniques. Don't let the cold weather deter you from having pizza parties. I will be joined by none other than Matt Frampton. BBQRevolution.com, and then we'll move to the second hour. And it is the fourth Tuesday of the month, so you know we're going to refire the Embedded Correspondence segment. We will find gentlemen's from Texas, that being Doug Scheiding, Steve Ray from Tennessee, Dave Huff from Oklahoma, and sitting in on a special night, John Solberg from Michigan, who will be talking about a specific item that I'm very excited about. So we'll have four to start. John might drop off in the end, but he there will be four embedded correspondents and myself this evening. So that's your lineup for tonight's 120 minutes of a live fire talk and cooking. JD, Jimmy Daniel in the first segment. Then we have Matt Frampton after him. Second hour embedded correspondence. 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQ Central Show. Don't forget, you can follow me on social media, Instagram at BBQ Central Show. Same thing on the Twitters, Facebook.com slash BBQ Central Show. If you're watching on the Facebook page, you've already figured out how to find that. Go ahead and give me a like if you haven't. Bunch of different messages coming in from various platforms. This one coming in from Facebook, courtesy of John House. Greg, love the Michael Simon interview recently. Thanks for continuing to put in all the hard work and time on the show. Started listening way back in 2008 and have appreciated how far you've brought the show's content and quality. I don't even own a smoker at the moment, but still listen to the podcast each week on my commute. Keep up the great work. Hope you and your family have a great Thanksgiving. John, thanks for writing in. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving as well, along with all the other Centralites. Appreciate you listening since 2008, my man. I'm no mathematician, but that's 10 years. One of the most loyal Centralites, John, I have to say. So I appreciate you listening. Also, got an email from Pete 
in Fort Lauderdale, and it says, Greg, I was listening to your most recent interview with Stephen Reichland the other day, and I have to ask, why do you think he seemed to go out of his way not to answer some of the questions you were asking him in your lightning round? I think they were all pretty innocuous and not too controversial by any stretch. Everything up until then was great, but not answering some stupid questions for fun seemed a bit stuffy to me. Just wondering if you had a take on it. I always podcast the show. Thanks for giving me content to keep me running through my day. Keep up the great work, by the way. Not that you asked, but the addition of the best of show this year continues to show us why you lead this arena and the rest weekly follow behind. Way behind. Regards, Pete in Fort Lauderdale. Pete, thank you. And of course I have a take on why Stephen didn't answer like three or four of those 10 or 11 questions that I asked him. I don't think Stephen is out to try and even remotely look like he might be offending anyone. So instead of just picking an answer, I mean, look, if you're tuning into the show and you hear me say, hey, you want to do lightning round? That should immediately be for entertainment value. So I will always operate on that. If I'm being interviewed and somebody says, let's do a lightning round, I'm going to answer A or B because that's the spirit, the fun of that whole lightning round thing, which, by the way, we'll be doing again this evening with my guests. So I think to have me ask Stephen, would you pick Bobby Flay or Alton Brown? He doesn't want to pick one over the other. So he says, I like them both. As he said, with uh, he didn't want to offend Sazerac or Old Fashioned. So he said he would have one of each. I don't think Sazeracs or Old Fashions have feelings. He might. So I don't think if it can perceived if it can be perceived in any way as a slight, Stephen will steer away from that. He's not trying to be controversial. He's still trying to appeal to everybody. That's certainly his prerogative. I, on the other hand, will give you if you ask, I will answer. Keep that in mind in real life. If you ask me a question, I will give you an answer. It might not be the answer you're looking for, but don't ask me if you don't want an answer. Final email coming in from Nate in Kennesaw, Georgia. Nate, I used to work for a company that was based out of Kennesaw, Georgia, and they tried to screw me out of money, if you can believe it or not. Greg, loved your interview with Melissa Riome, the grill mama, last week. She was very gracious with her time and even more generous with her knowledge especially when it came to the social media stuff. Just getting into Instagram myself recently, it was great to hear her speak on the best practices of growing an engaged and loyal following base. Too bad she had to work on Thanksgiving. I'm glad we have folks like her and our healthcare system. Thanks for the great show. Regards, Nate. Nate, thank you. A lot of people jumping in over the past week. Happy to see it. You can leave me a message in various ways. You can bet that most likely they will show up in the beginning of this show or in the second hour of this show. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, Pete. And thanks, John House, for writing it. Jimmy Daniel coming up out of the break. Let me talk to you quickly first about Big Papa Smokers, the number one online shop for all things barbecue. Their curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies get you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Everything at BigPapaSmokers.com has been Pitmaster approved by Sterling, Big Papa Ball himself, like those championship rubs and seasonings. Popular flavors like Sweet Money, 
cattle prod, cash cow, all proven winners on the competition circuit and in my backyard. Big Papa Smokers offers 13 perfectly balanced flavors that will transform ordinary meals into extraordinary. Whether you're cooking to impress the judges or your friends and family, Big Papa Smokers award-winning rubs and seasonings just don't disappoint. You can also pair them up with simply marvelous barbecue rubs, and now you are using what's called the West Coast offense, however you see fit. They also are the proud owners of Granny's Barbecue Sauce. Looking for a new go-to barbecue sauce that pleases everyone? Granny's traditionally yet powerful flavors remind us why we fell in love with barbecue in the first place. Find Granny's Barbecue Sauce and other top-rated barbecue sauces at BigPapaSmokers.com. And aside from those rubs and sauces, Big Papa's also offers the very best pellet, charcoal, and wood cookers available today. If you're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use, check out the Mac 2-Star General Pellet Grill. Big Papa Smokers is the exclusive Mac dealer and even offers special packages. Nobody else doing that. Not a fan of pellets? Fine. Take a look at the Old Hickory Ace BP, the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. And if you're a backyard enthusiast like me looking for a durable and versatile grill that will last forever, the M Grill from Texas is just what you need. They're built like tanks. Not sure what kind of grill you need? Here's the truth. You really can't go wrong with any of those cookers featured on BigPapaSmokers.com website. They have something for every kind of backyard cook and budget. So here's the deal. Boost your barbecue skills with the help of Big Papa Smokers, the number one online barbecue store. Call them toll-free with questions. 877-828-0727. Say it with me. 877-828-0727. Or shop their website, BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A Smokers.com. We are back with Primitive Pits. Stick around. Be right back. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Show Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Butcher Barbecue, makers of award-winning rubs, sauces, spices, injections, grilling oils, all the Butcher Barbecue products tested on the competition circuit, as well as in the backyard. You can check out ButcherBBQ.com to stock up now. Always trust your butcher. All right. My first guest tonight, going to pick up this conversation. Has anyone noticed that some of the most popular offsets are Texas-style offsets? My next guest falls into that arena, but think their cookers are pretty damn sexy, too. I know I do, so let's head to the Traeger Grills hotline, and welcome back, friend of the show, and hopefully we hear him this time right out of the game. Can you hear me? I can. JD is in. JD, how are you, buddy? What's going on to... All the centralites. 
We are excited to have you back in, JD. So, you know, let's put the pit stuff on hold just for a second and talk about something. I want to say it's <laughs> new, right? But I mean, it's kind Not of new to us. <laughs> of course, it's like the best thing. That's why I have my show for the last number of years. Uh, you have a quote unquote new show on YouTube called Qtorials. And I say quote unquote new show because it was actually something a number of years back that you already did. And now you're refiring a pretty successful idea. So I guess first and foremost, tell me a little bit about that original concept and when it started, why it went away and why you brought it back. Well, um, I have a real early history with YouTube because of my music business past. We broadcast some of the first concerts and put some of the first concerts on YouTube. And I've had this infatuation with carrying cameras around for 20 years. And my wife will tell you it's partly annoying and she's grateful that I've got them. So we started doing this version of Qtorals in 06 till roughly the end of 09. And uh, it was more of uh, alcohol-induced backyard barbecue. It didn't have any kind of uh, structure, and it was uh, really just a bunch of good friends. And we didn't do it uh, very consistently, but we had a lot of fun. And we pulled it off. I pulled it off based upon uh, being in the rental business. I didn't want anybody to stumble upon some of these videos and think I was a total uh, buffoon. Uh, but we ended up, you know— that's just kind of uh, bringing it back based upon just a passion for live fire cooking. And we have so much fun doing this and we're going to do kind of the same thing, but more structured. How successful was that initial run of tutorials? I mean, uh, I know it, it's hard to. In, you, in YouTube terms yeah. for the success of it, uh, when I pulled it off in 09, that's before content guys got paid. And by the way, I'm not doing this for, you know, any payment. I'm just doing it because I love doing it and I'm doing it just because it's it's an out, a creative outlet. But uh, that's before people got paid. And I was friends with a bunch of guys who were putting content out there. And I bet we had a couple videos that had seven-digit likes, three or four videos. There was one that was really popular that um, more funny than anything. And then, you know, we had real good base of subscribers, but it was so inconsistent that, you know, I'm surprised that anybody really watched it at the same time. I remember, uh, you know, a few times going, "Whoa, this is this is this is something real," but back in that time in 2008-9, YouTube was still a platform where you know it wasn't very good video and quality wasn't quite where it's at today. And now it's it's competing with major networks and you know, but I I love it. I mean, I've been a part of YouTube as far as the talent and music. I've probably got 50 broadcasts musically that are up. Um, you know, I see them on YouTube. I just was watching watching one the other night. That um, great. It was actually watching on YouTube was better than watching on TV. Yeah, right. Uh, Primitive Pitch joining me here on the show, Jimmy Daniel. Uh, Jimmy just released. I believe it was today. Was your kind of a would you call it a deconstruction of a Yoder's offset pit? Yeah, Qtorals is a video blog of just really trying to cover the 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 people and the techniques and the tools of, of live fire cooking. And I'm really going to stick around the live fire cooking part of this thing. But I got a friend of mine, Jeff, uh, Jeff Hurd. Uh, he's out there now. Uh, he he and I have been friends for years. He's been talking to me about, you know, this smoker he had. And and um, I'd read a lot of great things about him, and it's a really good smoker. You can learn how, you can learn how to smoke on anything, as long as it draws uh, from the firebox to wherever it's exhausting. But uh, he's 
real meticulous and you know he's if you ever go into his shop he's in the in the grading business and he's got all these you know real uh, i guess set, set up with his tools and whatnot that will tell you that he's kind of a little bit ar but um he told me he said man so i took a look at it the very first time he's cooking i was like man the thing's got a tuning plate in there and I just might just pull the tuning plate. Well, he pulled the tuning plate out, and it didn't really um, do much for him. So this summer, he brought it to us, and I cooked a brisket on it. I said, you know what? Before I go cutting into this thing, it was beautiful. It's a beautiful-looking smoker. I said, I just want to you know, cook on it. So I cooked on it and made notes, which you should always make notes because that's the key to good barbecue. Right. Um, is is filled up my notebook with some stuff that I would um, think, you know, modification would be nice to do and we we finally got around to doing it over sunday i guess and and uh invited chris over and chris is like i'm like you i don't want to be on camera but i'm really not going to be on the camera and uh we had a good time doing it we spent probably two hours to do the whole modification a little bit more than two hours and um i'll cook on it in two weeks and um i'm going to give a real blanket straightforward uh response and answer back to jeff and publicly about how it smokes it might be a complete bomb i've got a feeling it's not going to be based upon it's now set up to where i know how to cook on that particular setup mm. it's kind of like any other device whether it's a golf club a fishing rod a tool if you know it and how it's set up i know it i'm going to be able to manage the fire and probably do okay with the brisket Jimmy Daniel joining me here on the show. Primitivepits.com is website if you want to check it out while we're talking. Um, so let's go ahead and uh, – so uh, sorry, let me ask you one more question about the Q-Tories. Is that something that you're going to be releasing weekly or – I mean, you know, that's like every the whole Tuesday deal now, right? Every Tuesday is the goal. Okay, so every Tuesday. Uh, every Tuesday is the goal. I literally stop and try to take about a 45-minute lunch or, you know, we'll just goof off and do, do it then and then on Sundays – um, but yeah, every the, the goal is every Tuesday, and I've been planning this for no joke for five years, um, and and it's just finally like you know what I'm gonna do it, and it it is something you know I spent my whole career on the other side of the camera, and you know uh, I'm sure a lot of folks probably have an opinion on men. You know, how do you get in front of a camera and do all that stuff? Well, it's very uncomfortable, but it's it's an exercise of uh, learning how to be a narcissist. Uh, Jimmy, let's talk a little bit about your cookers. Um, I guess let's start specifically with the business market. So what percentage of your cookers are going into, I don't know if you would call it commercial or or restaurant type settings versus a percentage that are going to people like me, like the consumer side or the end user side? Well, we we did launch this summer in uh, July uh, a consumer side, but we have been catering to the restaurants and caterers, and that's about ninety five percent is going into restaurants. Wow. And some of them are catering and pop up guys, but everything's going into the commercial setting. We'd still sell babes, and we still sell the. Uh, I, I consider our Bubba the two fifty model to be really a small commercial unit. There are four or five people that have them in their backyards and uh, they're, they're backyard cookers. There's one guy in El Campo, Texas, that's got a babe and a uh, uh, 250 in his backyard, but everybody else is pretty much, it's a commercial 500s of thousands are commercial. Is there just better 
margin in commercial stuff or is it just you get your hands on bigger tanks easier like what's the yeah or is that um, just how you started and, to, and that's where to, you keep well to be candid the 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 babe for instance there i mean i see guys out there um that have a similar product mill scale just launched a beautiful 94 gallon uh cooker and and uh, moberg probably doesn't get in that space because there's no, but with the price of steel, the tariffs, there's no money in those little guys. Um, We do them for passion. We do them to kind of get our name out there. It's hard. When we launched them, we built 20 some of, you know, 30 some, 40 40 some total with both units. But um, I gotta be honest, the commercials have a little bit better uh, profit margin, but we sell our smokers for so cheap um that and i mean you know go get prices and come back to us but we want we're passionate about putting people in the business but we just really uh know that if the price of steel goes up or we get another crazy tariff or anything happens you know it's it's tough it's slim pickings but we do make better on the thousand and the 500 gallons the thousand you know, there's there's some margin, and it, there's no margin if we spent two weeks to build it. But we've got a process to build them uh, relatively quick. Uh, Jimmy, let's talk a little bit about the evenness of the cooker because I think that's what people maybe don't take into account, especially the novice. They'll go into a big box store, they'll see a char griller, which looks like an offset, but it's drafty. It's very thin. It doesn't hold temperature very well, and it all of a sudden becomes quite a chore just to maintain some kind of temperature, or you have to do all these crazy modifications that you have to find on the internet and you sink another couple hundred bucks to make it cook somewhat mediocre. How do you guys yeah. build yours and, and what are you doing? I don't know if you'd call it from an engineering standpoint or just from a knowledge standpoint in order to make it cook so even from left to right and front to back. Well, uh, first of all, starting out, it's a, it's a, you know, a refurbished uh, piece of steel that comes from a really good era in, in our, uh, in our steel working world, as far as the 50s and 60 model, 1950s and 60 model liquid propane tanks that we're, we're you know, recycling basically and turning them into cookers, they're really s- solid and they're going to be somewhat insulated. So we got that going for us. It's a good piece of steel. And where I think a lot of people get into trouble is their, their steel's not very thick. So when you start putting heat and, you know, it's like a jet engine you're going to lose stuff as it goes throughout the chamber. So one of the things that we try to do is we've trying to be really scientific with how we put the firebox onto the chamber and the smokestack draw. There's a bunch of different philosophies and opinions out there. We've just found what works for us. Matter of fact, we're working with a guy right now um, who is a CFD um, engineer, which stands for computational fluid dynamics. Matter of fact, his NASCAR team at Penske just won the championship last weekend. Mm. And he's a Georgia Tech guy that's that's helping us understand what goes on inside of a smoker. Because myself, I've owned a bunch of smokers from, from uh, reverse flows and all these different types of smokers throughout the years. And if it looked cool... And if I thought it was going to do something great to the meat, then I bought into, you know, just the idea of, oh, yeah, it's going to, you know, my Weber, whatever, it's going to be great. Oklahoma Joe, it's great. But I really never got to see the science of it until the last few years where you start seeing the CFD and it doesn't lie. It'll tell you where the hot spots are. And, and, you know, that 
evenness that you get across the grates that some of the highline guys out there building thousand gallons and 500 gallons it takes a lot of work some people fully insulate their firebox which we've just built a few with fully insulated fireboxes i'm not a personal uh, fan of it but my client wanted them and uh, we like the semi-insulated firebox because it it breathes a little bit and it helps it burn a little bit more even to to reduce some of the hot spots mm. but it's just really hyper detail. And, you know, there are guys out there in their garages that are building cookers. And, you know, you may not get it right the first time, but you're going to realize where the problems are if you cook a lot. So then you'll start making the modification. Take notes. And, um, you know, that's how we've gotten to where we're burning plus or minus three or four degrees across a 12-foot grate. Jimmy, let's talk a little bit about building a fire and then maintaining a fire, especially in offsets. I think that's where a lot of struggle can come in. Even if you have, you know, I mean, I have a Lang 36-inch uh, patio, and I think after looking at a Moberg and looking at yours, the firebox is undersized. It might be that grate that's in there. I probably should rip that out and, and build fire on the floor because I lose coals. There's some things that make the task a little bit more of a pain, I guess, than a, a privilege. So, uh, you know, what's your thoughts on fire, and, and how do you build it in your cookers? Well, um, you know, I always uh, when I approached it with just kind of a, uh, a minimalist mentality. My dad actually taught me to build a fire, and he always said, man, start out small and grow your fire small, and you'll end up with a really even cook. And, of course, I knew it all in my 20s and 30s. I would be the guy that literally would throw twigs and sticks and throw a few logs and hit it with lighter fluid and just all the things that, you know, ruin barbecue. So really, I think the process that gets your your smoker uh, pre-seasoned and ready for meat is just really starting out with shavings. I take a chop saw and make little one-by-one uh, splits and whatever I'm using, white oak, post oak, whatever I'm using, I make some splits. I carve out a little bit of wood and just kind of primitively, uh, no pun intended, build me a fire and, and then introduce a log and then once i get the logs going one of the crucial things is i will really work on a coal bed sometimes for an hour hour and a half uh so i'll build a coal bed and get a really good coal bed so then when i have wood maybe on top of my fire it ignites immediately that's I think real crucial for any of the guys that you go down in tech central Texas or, you know, any of these guys that are cooking in Carolinas, wherever that's kind of a, uh, um, I guess it's somewhat of a, a cheater to, to get your fire going mm. really good with the coal bed because then everything ignites pretty easy. Yeah. Um, except for wet wood. Do you, do you build the fire off to the side or, you know, yours are like a rounded firebox versus a square. So do you lean them up against the one side or the other, or do you just build it right in the middle? No, I build it right in the middle. That arch, um, I just did this video blog, the vlog today and tutorials. And I think I mentioned it about the, that Yoder, you know, the rounded bottom, if you take the logs and you put the logs across the bridge of the rounded bottom, and then you cross uh, you know, perpendicular to the logs that are sitting there across the bottom, if that makes any sense. Once you get the fire going, you get oxygen and airflow up underneath those coal beds. And I, I like to use the rounded part of the, the firebox to kind of stage and hold up the firewood. The coals will eventually fill in there. And, uh, you know, you can take out the dead coals and sweep them out into a, I got a 
a big, huge dustpan, and I'll just, you know, I'll brush them into that and try to keep just the good active coals there. Um, looking at the clock here, we got about like two and a half minutes. So, do we want to talk about beef tallow seasoning, or do we want to? Save that well, for a I different mean, time. You know and- what? It's I can go through it real quick. I'm going to do a video blog. I'm sorry, this is a plug for Q Torals, but you know, <laughs> I'm going to do a I'm going to do a vlog here with um, this uh, tallow that will render down. I've done this uh, before, and we'll render down, and I'll put it in the spray bottle, the lighter tallow, and mm-hmm. that's a great way to season a smoker, especially if you know if you've cleaned one, even if you've got one and you pressure wash it off, you get it clean. You can use a lot of the Pam oil, all this peanut oil, whatever, yep, yep. but that tallow is uh, in the connective tissue, the beef fat. Um, Brendan Lamb is is uh, teaching me some new stuff also about that down in Texas, about how to get that really good season on your grates, and even in, inside of the smoker, all the firebox to the smokestack. Uh, you want to do lightning round? Well, after what I heard just a minute ago, I better do it. You're damn just, right. Uh, You're damn right. Now give me just, answers and don't pussyfoot around it, for crying out loud. I won't. All right, here we go. Uh, let me. Oh, uh, where did I? Just had it here. Hold on one second. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, yeah, here we go. Gotta gotta have the right music for lightning round. Okay. Crying out loud, you know. All right, here we go. Uh, Domino's or Papa John's? Papa John's. I agree with that. Uh, pepperoni or sausage? Ooh, sausage. Breakfast or dinner? Dinner. Podcasts or radio? Podcast. The truth or another's feelings? <laughs> I'm a truth guy. Spatchcock or beer can? Chicken. Beer can. Really? Yeah. All right. Uh, I s- grew up on this stuff. It's like it's like hominy. You, <laughs> you're around it, you're around it. Uh, Sazerac or old fashioned? Old fashioned. I have not had one person say Sazerac. That was my favorite drink. Right after I, or right before I started not drinking anymore, but I really got into them. All right, uh, brisket or beef ribs? Brisket. Foil no. or no? No, a brisket's my answer, brisket. but the, the, there's a reason for it. Okay, I can eat it all the time. All right, uh, foil or butcher paper? Butcher paper. Uh, ribeye or the field? Ribeye. In a pan or on the grate? I like both, but I'm going to go with the grate. And finally, open pit or sweet baby race? Open pit. What the hell is wrong with you people? I've asked this question since I, my I, interview I, with I'm Michael not the Simon. I'm the only one to say open pit. Sweet baby race. No. Is, I'm telling you, the last two and a half weeks that I've been doing lightning round, and it started with Michael Simon, everybody's picked open pit. Am I missing the boat here, JD? This, this the stuff I, I changed. Got, I got sweet. I just ate sweet baby rays too. That's so if, funny. I just was dipping some sweet baby. If the color fell out of your hat, you could take open pit and recolor it. Like it's dangerous. It seems. Yeah, it is. I'm trying, but that's. It, it seems like I'm I trying mean, to talk you out of it, but I'm not. I just. I'm surprised that many people are open pit fans. Yeah, I, I mean, I am. Uh, you can find tutorials on YouTube, or what's the best way to find that? Yeah, tutorials, Instagram. I think the Instagram's that uh, the tutorials, and Twitter's at tutorials, and um, you know, it's hopefully a tutorial of some type. It's. I hope it doesn't end up being a silly um, like today's, but we have fun. All right. Well, you can find everything you need. Primitivepits.com is the website if you're looking for a uh, commercial 
cooker or something in the backyard. They're doing those too. It's uh, JD, Jimmy Daniel. Jimmy, always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much. Man, thank you so much. Appreciate it. You got it. There he is. Mr. Primitive Pit right there. All guests appear via the Traeger Grills hotline. The commercial aspect, uh, how they're able to get their cookers to go. He said plus or minus three or four degrees from left, right on 12 feet of grate. Uh, John, I'm just seeing your biscuit test question. I apologize. I'll send him an email, though. I bet he I bet he buys into that. I bet they test that. Matt Frampton and pizza coming up out of the break. I want to talk to you quickly about Cook Shack. They manufacture smoker ovens for barbecue lovers with any amount of experience, whether you backyard barbecue or you do it on the competition circuit or in a five-star dining facility. Cook Shack has the unit that will do the job. And with a full line of barbecue sauces, spices, pellets, and wood chunks, it's the perfect one-stop shop. Cook Shack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes, online recipes, how-to videos, two blogs, smoke and grilling, 101s, and a video cooking classroom. You can check out their website at cookshack.com or follow them on these social media platforms. How about Instagram or Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Pinterest, even Google Plus? Get advice and share your passion for barbecue on their world-class barbecue forum. Cook Shack pellet-fired smokers are the choice of champions because they were designed by a champion at Fast Eddie Moore and the FEC 100. PG-1000, always customer favorites. The PG-1000 can double as a smoker and a grill. You can do it low and slow. You can do it hot and fast. In essence, the pellet grill line gives you the most for your money. Now, if you don't like pellet cookers, that's fine. Maybe you like electric. Well, did you know that Cook Shack makes the most popular number one rated electric smoker in the industry? They do. High quality means high durability and versatility. Anything you can cook in your oven, you can make in a Cook Shack. Passion and dedication drives Cook Shack's manufacturing, with quality always being at the forefront. Get the best in barbecue since 1962. Call 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698. Or visit cookshack.com. Matt Frampton coming up. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets. For all of your pellet-driven cookers, if you are interested in getting some of the best wood pellets that you can possibly get, want to check out CookinPellets.com. If you would rather buy from one of those real big online stores, Amazon.com sells cookingpellets.com as well. I'm stalling because my Skype is not working this evening very well. Stalling out after each guest. So now I have to find Mr. Frampton. Uh, Let's go up to the search here. Type in his name because I know I had him saved in my favorites, but no, it's just not working right now. What can I tell you? All right, uh, who doesn't love a good pizza? Pound for pound pizza, my singular most favorite food on the face of the earth. Even the worst pizza, pretty damn good in my book. And a handful of months ago, Meathead and I uh, talked about pizza on the grill, and that inspired this segment tonight. Joining me now is one of the foremost 
live fire pizza cooking authorities in the industry, and he happens to be a friend of this show as well. So we will race to the Traeger Grills hotline and welcome back a friend of the show, Matt Frampton. Matt, how are you, buddy? Matt. Oh, oh, oh. Reconnecting. Your connection is poor. What does that mean? All right, let's try this. Matt. Matt. Hey, Greg, how are you, sir? What's up? Oh, uh, not much. Good to see you. Dude, what the hell? Why aren't you wearing the mask? Ah, see, I've got the mask back here on uh, Mike Myers. I couldn't <laughs> decide. Both hats, the red hat, the black hat, they both kind of made my face look pizza. Yeah. Well, so. you know, that's how it is. It's a pizza segment, so, I mean, the, the shirt is off the chain. You got the hat in the back. Lots of different stuff happening, so, I mean, it's uh, it's, it's it's fun. And you're, and you're like, the, the most pizza guy I know, I think. Man, it has really blown up since we started talking about it on the show. I don't know. It's been a long time. I know I've been on a few times, but it's been uh, a number of years since the first time. It's getting huge. Matt, can I uh, beg you to call in on the phone? Because we're getting, I'm getting some kind of a hissing in the back, and it's going to make me blow my head off. But are we able to to do that? Yeah, no problem, man. You have the uh, hotline number. Uh, I'll get it from you here right now. All right, let me send it to you. Uh, all right, two one six two two zero zero nine six six. Gotcha. On the way. All right. There's just no way I am putting you people through that. There's just no way I'm not doing it. Heidi Ho, neighbor. Hey, how you doing, sir? Sorry about that. Way, way better. Appreciate you doing that for me, Matt. Yeah, no problem. Good old Skype problems. was, um, Was pizza always your jam? And, you know, so for the folks that don't know, like I was originally introduced to Matt Frampton through... The team, hot grill on grill action uh, that was... Were you guys on television? Matt? Yeah, hot grill on grill, yeah, hot yeah. Grill, on grill action. Yeah, were you guys on television at one point or, or no? Yeah, we were on Barbecue Pitmasters um, <laughs> that's, that's years right. ago. We started the team in 2005, and uh, that was kind of where it all started, but now I kind of have a inquenchable thirst for pizza. All right, so let's first quickly talk about equipment, and especially let's talk about cookers. What have you cooked on, and ultimately, what have you found that works best right now? I'm sure there's equipment that's constantly being worked on or being offered into the market that you're probably testing, but what have you find that works best right now? Yeah, you've really got a few choices, and you've got the grilling options, which you can do right on a gas grill or a charcoal grill right on the grate. You've got the pellet options like the Green Mountain Grill and the Uni. And then you've got a baking option, which you can use an egg or a Primo. I like to use my PK. So you go right on the grill? Yeah, for all of those. Now, I'm a real big fan of the um, higher temps, so 800 plus. And for those, I'll do... um, either on my kettle pizza, which is an insert for the Weber 22 mm-hmm. or on the green mountain grill pizza insert. And both of those, you can get up into the seven, 800, even 900 range if you run it the right way. 
And with that, you get a uh, anywhere from 90 seconds to uh, a little over two-minute bake. All right, so uh, I'll actually talk to you in a couple minutes about where you run temperatures at and all that, because I have my own questions, because I also have the Green Mountain Grill pizza oven insert. But let's uh, talk now about accessory or ancillary items that you need in order to make a pizza cook successful. And these would, I guess, range anywhere from peels to graters to pizza cutters and things like this. I mean, obviously, it's probably somewhat like barbecue and, and competition barbecue where gadgets all of a sudden outcost everything else that you get into when it comes to pizza making. But what are like the key things that you need to have? Yeah, you hit on most of them. I'm, it's too bad we couldn't do the Skype. I actually brought props for all this. Nice, but, of course. Um, <laughs> so for, you know, for building a pizza, I like to build a pizza on a wood peel. Um, you have a wood peel option. You have a metal peel option. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to build it on a peel, the wood is more forgiving to get the pizza slid on and off. So if you don't have a wood peel, you're going to be using a lot more cornmeal and flour to try and get it off, and that can be um, dangerous in and of itself. So should you and have, to should get you the have both? Off, you'd use a metal. I, I would highly recommend having both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I just bought a metal one, and I I shied away from the wood one because it didn't seem like. This is going to sound really stupid now that I'm going to say it out loud, but it didn't seem like the wood one was going to get underneath the pizza as well as the thin metal one or aluminum one, but I guess that's not the case as long as you like coat that leading edge with your uh, cornmeal or whatever. Yeah, so I have um, out on my website and then on my YouTube channel, you can see how I kind of work different doughs, but what I'll do is I'll build it out on a counter and stretch. Well, I don't build the pizza. I stretch the dough on a counter and then I slide it with my two hands onto the peel. And then from there, I kind of reshape it, make it round, and then I'll top it right on the peel. And you give that thing a shake every uh, through the process. So I'll get the dough onto the wood peel, give it a little shake to make sure it's sliding around, mm-hmm. add some sauce, do the same thing, top it, do the same thing, and then I can usually get that pizza to sit there for a long time and not stick. So you'll have um, pizzas in the chamber, if you will, for lack of a, of a better term, like staged out, uh, and you're not building one at a time and then cooking it and then building another one and cooking it? Yeah, the last couple of years I've, I've staged it out. I mean, my parties and, and get-togethers and such have gotten bigger and bigger, and so um, I actually bought a pizza rack uh, locally, but you can get it from the Webstrant store online. I think it's webstrantstore.com. It's like 25 bucks, and it'll hold 50 pizzas stacked vertically. Wow. And the peels fit right in there. And so I'll, I'll get all my dough out at once, um, let it rise for a couple hours, and then I stage the dough on peels, and then I build it. And, um, is, you know, when they cook in 90 seconds to two minutes, you can have 15 pizzas sitting there ready to go. And, not worry too much about anything spoiling or whatever. When we talk about ingredients, especially dough, and this is probably a segment all in itself, are you a fan of, like for me, I have access to a really great Italian grocer a quarter mile from my house. They make pizza dough balls every day. They're fresh. They're 89 cents. I can get two pizzas to go in the Green Mountain Grill per ball. So I'm, you know, it's 45 cents for dough for me and then all the other stuff I'm going to put on top of it. I know you make your own dough. Is it a learning process? How much of a time taker is it in order to to do it right? What are the entry-level make-your-own-dough steps? 
Yeah. So first of all, I'm never going to judge anyone who eats any sort of pizza. Pizza is just awesome in general. But right. as far as dough is concerned, um, time, so similar to how smoke is an ingredient in barbecue, time is an ingredient in dough. So the longer dough has a chance to ferment and build its characteristics, it's actually bacterias and things that are, that are working in there you get more flavor out of it. So right now, when I make my dough, my favorite aging time is five days in a, in a cold ferment in my fridge. Wow. And um, it is, there is a major difference between a dough. Like I always say 24 hours is good, 48 hours is better, 72 hours is, is really, really good. Um, right now, I'm tinkering around with five days, and I love it. It's like dry aging beef. It is, it's similar in nature. I mean, there's just things that are happening to that dough that can't happen without time. The yeast is kind of your structure and allowing those gases to build up and, um, and form uh, within the, the gluten and that the time that's happening in there while it's for, I mean, it's literally fermenting just like a beer and uh, it just gets better and better. You can't get that in a store-bought dough. What do we look for in a flour? I know uh, when I had Meathead on a couple months ago, he was talking about either like a double zero or, or a double lot. I don't know if that's saying the same thing or, um, you know, special Italian flour versus like gold metal flour. What do you need? Yeah. And so uh, double lot and zero zero are the same thing. And what that is is the grind of the flour. That's how, that's how fine it's ground down. And the, the flour that I like to use is readily available on Amazon. It's hard to find anywhere locally, at least here in Omaha. Mm. It's Antimo Caputo Pizzeria flour. And if you can't find that, I mean, a good bread flour, a high, a high gluten bread flour, something like King Arthur, their, their blue label bread flour that, I mean, I'll use that in a pinch, no problem. But there is a, a again, kind of like the aging of the dough, there's a big difference between how dough feels when it's made with that double zero flour and how it feels when it's not. And all-purpose flour is not the right flour for any kind of pizza. So you make the dough in a batch and then like cut it out into the sizes that you want and then start aging at that point, or you just age it as all like one big ball, or what do you do? You can do it both ways. Um, I personally make a big batch. I do a very short rest, about 30 minutes after I make it, and then I split it individually, and I put it in 32-ounce containers that are they're like to-go or like meal prep containers. I put it in those. I oil, oil the dough ball up and stick those in my fridge, and then I can take them out one at a time. Do you have to let them heat up? Do you take them out of the out of the uh, refrigerator after they're doing the cold thing? And then uh, do you want to bring them up to room temperature a number of hours prior? You know, I, I always seem to draw it back to some kind of a meat thing, like people take their steak out and let it come up to room temperature, like a similar idea or no? Yeah, very, very similar idea. I don't, I don't take it quite to room temperature. I, um, my refrigerator is set at 34 degrees. Uh, when I take them out, I like them to get up around 60 um, so not quite room temperature. It takes about 90 minutes to do that. That's 60 degrees in the center. It makes it, um, much more workable. If you don't let them sit out for an hour and a half or two, 
you have a, a dough that's tough to stretch. It can tear. Is that a so, rising thing um, when you're letting it come up to room temperature? Does that a rise thing? It rises, yep. It's So the yeast is all activated. Um, it's more alive the warmer it is. Mm. And so it starts to go dormant when it gets cold in the fridge. It's not dead or anything, but that rise in temperature makes it more active. It comes alive, starts eating the sugars and the flour and the carbohydrates in the flour, and um, it's putting off a gas to, to create those bubbles. Uh, do you do a double rise with a punch down? I do not. I like to take mine out, let them sit for 90 minutes to a couple hours, and then I set them right on the, the, the work table, and I press from the middle out. I, I'm pretty gentle with it. I like to keep all the air in there if I can and push it all to the edges, and that gives me a nice, uh, a, a nice crust that can get some air pockets and stuff like that in it. I, I find it incredibly difficult... When I have my, uh, you know, ball that I get from the Italian grocer, and I, I'll let it sit out for, you know, an hour or whatever, and it gets bigger, and it, you know, it's harder to get out of that plastic bag. I cut it in half, and then I want to start making my, you know, round dough pie. It is hard to get into a real good circle. Is that normal, or am I kind of an idiot? And be careful what you say. Yeah, what. <laughs> when you're taking it out of a bag, it's super hard. I mean, when I put them in the containers, I try and shape them and then um, gently get them back out. Mm-hmm. If the other option you'd have, you know, if, if you're not making your own and you're just buying it in those bags, you could, um, you know, take it out, kind of reform it, maybe oil it up and let it rest for a little while that way. It's definitely easier to start with a round ball and end up with a round pizza than start with like a a weird shaped blob and end up with a round pizza. All right. Let's talk a little bit about toppings. And uh, I guess, I mean, certainly your creativity is only limited to imagination for what you can put on pizza, but there has to be some uh, semi hard and fast rules by how much of the toppings and sauce and cheese that you're putting on a pizza before it can probably wreak havoc. So what are best practices? Yeah. Okay. So when we're talking wood fired pizza, um, in many cases, less is more. And when you're putting sauce on, as an example, you don't want it super watery. That's going to, that's going to create a, um, just a doughy crust. It's, it's not going to be what you want. So, uh, very little sauce. And for me, my red sauce, I'm a Big proponent of San Marzano tomatoes. You can get them Italian certified pretty easily at Walmart. They make the best tomato sauce on the planet. Once you eat them, you will never go back. So that's where I stand on the the red tomatoes. And then the same with cheese. Um, You know, you see a lot of high-end pizzerias use whole milk mozzarella. And it's good, but it can get watery. So oftentimes I like to use a 50-50 blend of a part skim and whole milk just to create a little more structure in there. But again, not too much. So the the big matzo, fresh matzo balls that I'm buying are potentially dangerous then if I'm just using that? Or do I want to like set when it I out on those, a tray no, or yeah, ring it out? You're talking about the like Bellino ones or whatever they are from the store. When yeah. I use that, I'll... Uh, put that on paper towels and let it dry out for a little while just because it's Mm. it's so watery um that's just my experience 
I recently discovered uh, there is a brand. It's it's not available for retail, but if you know anyone with a distributor, the brand is Grande, and it's the best cheese on planet Earth. They have a fifty-fifty <laughs> blend of provolone and part skim mozzarella. It's unbelievable. Really, and the melt's good. Yeah, it's it's super awesome. So it's Grande cheese. They're out of Wisconsin, uh, of course, and. Uh, <laughs> Really good. All right, let's touch base back on temperatures. And as you had mentioned, um, you like the higher temps. Now, when I do my reads for Green Mountain Grills and I talk about that pizza oven insert most of the time, I say, hey, if you want to run around you know, 800, 1,000 degrees, you set your cooker to 500 degrees, and typically it's doubled uh, to temperature on the stone in that pizza oven, so you're near 1,000 degrees. And I'm like, hey, you know, I've I've been there. I've tried that a couple different times, and it seems like it can get out of control like really quick. Obviously, because you're running very hot. I find my wheelhouse to be more in that 650 range. But are there tips to success running that hot? Or I mean, you just got to be on top of it because once it turns, you're kind of screwed. Yeah, I mean, at that temperature, you have very little room for forgiveness. I have bad luck on the green mountain as well. If I set the oven to 500, Mm -hmm. I like setting it to about 300, even 290. And it depends on your model. If you've got the Boone or the Bowie and if your fire pots in the, on the left side, or if it's centered, there's a little variance there, but generally like 290 to 310 and the stone will be about 700. And that, and so that gives you a more forgiving temperature. It, It also, it just rages out of control with ashes all over the place when you have it set all the way at 500 degrees. So as far as the Green Mountain's concerned, that, that's the temperature I run at. On the kettle pizza, um, I just like having a raging fire in the back all the time, and that's usually a eight or 900-degree uh, temperature inside the dome, about 750 or so on the stone. So are you putting it in, and then like 30 seconds later, you pull it out and do a, a 180 on it, or are you constantly like in it, wait for 15 seconds, and then give it a little bit of a turn, then wait and give it a little bit of a turn? How do you run that? I'm not playing with it very much. So if <laughs> if you can put it in and leave it for 45 seconds to a minute, then turn it around, that's best. Just lets the, the crust, the dough cook better on the bottom. What about resting when the pizza's done? Well, I guess, A, how do you tell when it's done? And then do you do any kind of a, of a rest or anything before you actually cut in and eat? Yeah, so there's a couple of ways to tell when a pizza's done. When And so, again, just kind of focusing on the wood-fired, high-heat kind of stuff that we've already been talking about. You're looking for the char. So the char is, in general, how burnt the crust is. And you're, uh, you'll often hear leopard spotting or leoparding. That's little black dots that you'll see on the on both the underside of the dough, often called the undercarriage. And then the edge of the dough, if you want the Italian term, it's called cornicioni. Mm, I knew that. And that, yeah, and so uh, that you're looking for those kind of dark leopard spots all the way around the edge. Um, that'll tell you that it's done. And then, of course, if you're, you're topping and your, your cheese is melted, um, then you know. I, I don't let mine rest very long, maybe 15 seconds. I slice it and serve it. What's your favorite pizza right now? What are you making? Oh, man, my favorite pizza is a good sausage and pepperoni pizza mm. with the right kind of cheese and ingredients. I'm a simple 
pizza eater. But on Saturday night, I had a party, and we made a Thanksgiving leftover pizza that was unbelievable. What was I used, it? Um, I used uh, the leftover gravy was the sauce. Ooh. I put some turkey on there. I put green bean casserole. I put corn casserole. I put stuffing. And uh, then I put a little bit of cheese just to kind of hold it all together. Cooked it. And then I, uh, after it was done, I topped it with some homemade cool cranberry sauce. And I had my doubts, but the entire party thought it was the best pizza out of 15 we made. Really? Wow. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was very surprised at the reaction to it, and I was very surprised at how wonderful it tasted. I mean, that thing sounds absolutely fantastic. But of course, you are the pizza man. Uh, by the way, Matt, I don't <laughs> want to. I don't want to throw it in your face. But what happened to less is more in that regard. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that definitely was. I was fighting that one for a second. I wondered if I'd even get the thing off the oven, but it came out. Uh, well, it sounds absolutely Somehow. fantastic, no doubt. Uh, so, where can people go if they have pizza questions or they want to uh, get in contact with you for a little bit more expert guidance? Yeah, sounds good. So, I'm at bbqrevolution.com. I'm on YouTube as Pitmaster Matt Frampton, I'm on Instagram as Pitmaster Matt Frampton. You can email me, Matt, at bbqrevolution.com. I'm teaching a class in February here in Omaha, Nebraska, at Helping You Barbecue on uh, Saturday, February 16th. It's an all-day hands-on class where you can – I'm going to show you how I do everything, and then you're going to do it hands-on, get to cook, get to eat uh, your own pizza, and, and I'll cook some of my own and hope to do more of those. But email – Instagram, I'm on Twitter. All that. So any of those. All right. Well, on the show, he is my pizza expert, the official pizza expert of the Barbecue Central show. It's Matt Frampton from BBQRevolution.com. Matt, always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for doing it. Yeah, thanks a lot. Talk to you soon, man. You got it. There he is, Matt Frampton, the pizza expert, everybody. That's right. All guests appear via the Traeger Grills Did you hear what he made with the Mm -mm -mm. Thanksgiving leftovers? Matt, love it. All right, way over, but way worth it. Let me talk to you quickly about the Barbecue Guru, longest-running sponsor of the show. You know, they've always believed that outdoor cooking should be easy because it can be, especially with the Monolith Barbecue Guru Edition Grill. The Monolith is the world's first temperature-controlled smoker with a built-in power draft fan. That means smarter control, greater freedom. With automatic temperature control, easily choose your cooking time and temperature and let the Monolith do the work of a sous chef or a barbecue pit master with minimal effort. You now have oven-like precision at the grill, and you can serve the tastiest, juiciest meals each and every time. If you have a barbecue guru controller already and you buy a Monolith, you don't need to go buy a new controller. Take that controller... Wire it to the fan, and you are off and running. If you have any questions, give them a call, 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU. Or you can visit the website, bbqguru.com. That's bbqguru.com. We're back to wrap the first hour. Stick around. I'll be right back. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. 
Welcome back. Again, thanks to Matt Frampton from A Hot Grill on Grill Action and his website, bbqrevolution.com, for all of the pizza talk. Let's go ahead and uh, get out. We have the Embedded Correspondence segment coming up in the second hour, which is already the second hour. And four minutes in. Again, Matt's website, bbqrevolution.com. That's bbqrevolution.com. And thanks again to JD, Jimmy Daniel, for talking about Primitive Pits again. Primitivepits.com. Again, uh, he's like seven to eight weeks out. So even on the big ones, they're trying to make that turn time quick. All right, uh, we are real late. I will go back, try to get back on the clock, and then hit the embedded correspondence. You're listening to the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. We'll be right back.